0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the great feast of Pentecost. In the celebration, we recognize the birthday of our church by the evangelical preaching of the apostles. Remember last week in the Ascension, Jesus and enacts the apostles, before he ascends back into heaven, he tells the apostles, go back to Jerusalem and wait, wait to receive the Holy Spirit because it's coming. Therefore, what's the disposition of the apostles? Well, it's one of prayer. The apostles are praying. Therefore, they have opened themselves up, their heart, their mind, their soul, their will, and their intellect to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, so too must we, not just to receive the Holy Spirit, but to cooperate with it. When we received the first installment of the Holy Spirit, it was at our baptism. And our parents took us to church, and prayers were said for us before we were baptized. The priest, as well as our parents and others, were around the baptismal font, and they prayed for us. In fact, that's part of the ritual we pray for the person that is going to be baptized. At confirmation, the same thing holds true. That is the second installment of the Holy Spirit, in which we are sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Confirmation typically takes place in the context of a Mass. Why? Because our church teaches us that the Mass is the highest prayer of our church. Therefore, daily prayer. In fact, a daily prayer life is indispensable for the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. You could say a daily prayer life cultivates and it nurtures the proper environment for the Holy Spirit to thrive in each and every one of us. Now, with that in mind, go to the gospel. In today's gospel reading, it says that Jesus breathes upon the apostles and says, Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the apostles receive that life giving breath of God. Where else do we see that in the Bible? God breathing that divine breath of life and something coming to life. Well, it's the story of creation in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. God forms out of clay, out of the ground, Adam, but before Adam comes to life, God breathes that divine breath of life into his nostrils, and suddenly Adam comes to life. Now, appreciate the symbolism here. The Hebrew word for ground is Adama, and the Hebrew word for man is Adam. So, God's divine breath of life is breathed into Adama, and in doing so, Adam is created and comes to life, and all of humanity springs into being. But where else do we see this, this divine breath of life on display? We'll turn to the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37. There's a great story of the vision of the dry bones. Here, the prophet Ezekiel is standing on a great plain, looking out over a large field of dried out and old bones. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones come to life? And Ezekiel says to God, Lord, you alone know. And God says, I will bring spirit in you, and you will live. And so gradually, the bones start to come together, and they form skeletons. Then muscle appears, and then sinew, and then flesh. Now Ezekiel realizes he's looking upon a vast army of people that were first created by the assembly of these bones. And yet the people are not alive yet. God then says, Come breathe four winds and breathe into these that they may have life. Well, suddenly the Holy Spirit rushes past Ezekiel and enters into these people. And they suddenly come to life. And so God's breath of the Holy Spirit gives life. And now we see that on display in the gospel with Jesus and the apostles. Jesus breathes upon the apostles, giving them the Holy Spirit, and suddenly the apostles, our church, comes to life. The apostles, they burst out of the upper room, and they begin the work of evangelization, which is the mission of our church. Now, it's important to note, prior to all this, the apostles huddled together, locked in the upper room, trapped by their own fear. And yet, now that they have received the Holy Spirit, they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. The apostles, the church, they come to life. Now they go out into the streets of Jerusalem. They boldly proclaim the gospel with a great deal of courage. And so we see the birth of our church on display. The apostles have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. When we were baptized, we also received that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and in doing so, we were brought to life in the spiritual life. At the moment of our baptism, we began to participate in the divine life of God. Jesus Christ came and joined his life to ours, and that life lasts forever, as promised to us by Christ. That's why I always say, baptism is the second greatest event in our life. The first greatest event in our life is when we come face-to-face with God. When we see the beatific vision, that's when we know that we will be with God for all of eternity. Well, equipped with the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, we come to know who God is in order to have life with him. And Paul speaks about this in the second reading. Paul says at the very beginning, no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. I think that puts everything into perspective. A hallmark of the Holy Spirit truly working in our life is when people around us can say, Jesus Christ is truly the Lord of her or his life, just by the way they act, the way they hold themselves. I think St. Therese of Lisieux puts it the best she once said each of us ought to act as though the perfection of the church depends upon our own personal conduct i think that really best summarizes paul's message in the second reading for today our conduct reflects our authenticity our everyday behavior and our actions can deepen or distance our awareness of and our participation in God's life. If the Holy Spirit is truly working in and through us, and it is, then others will see it. See, this is why Paul says a little bit later he says, To each individual, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for some benefit. Our lives will be one in which we are dedicated to building up the body of Christ, which is the church. See, this reminds me of the call of Jeremiah. In the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5, God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I dedicated you. A prophet to all the nations, I appointed you. Well, that reminds us, before we were born, God bestowed gifts upon us, different skills and abilities for the specific task of building up the church and serving others. Yet, it wasn't until baptism when the Holy Spirit rushed into our soul. You could say the Holy Spirit stirred up or awakened those divine gifts. At confirmation, we were sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we were properly equipped with the fullness of the Holy Spirit to use those divine gifts that God has given us for the express purpose of serving others, and we do it our own way. Each and every one of us has been given different gifts, skills, and abilities. Therefore, we use them in our own way to serve God and others in this world. And I think that's the key, our own way. Now, we see this firsthand in the first reading from Acts of the Apostles. When the apostles received the Holy Spirit, they have received the gift to speak in different languages. They were now properly equipped to evangelize, not just a certain part of the world or certain areas of the world, but the entire world. People of all different lands and nations would be able to understand them in order for them to be drawn to God. And so the same thing happens with us. Just as the apostles spoke different languages to draw people to God, so too do we. We speak different languages based upon the gifts that we have to draw people to God. Now, let me explain this a little bit further so that you understand. Maybe your gift from God, from the Holy Spirit, is of teaching. You love teaching, especially kids. Well, good. Become a catechist. Volunteer in your faith formation program. Teach kids to know Jesus, to know the faith and be able to live it out. See, when you do that, now you speak the language of faith to children that are hungry to learn about Jesus and learn about their faith. Or maybe you have the gift of a compassionate heart. You love to visit people. You love to sit down and chat with them, bring them communion. Well, good. That's your gift. See, now you speak the language of charity and joy to people that are lonely. Maybe you have a passion for social justice issues. Well, good. Volunteer for opportunities to serve the poor. See, when you do that, now you speak the language of hope to people who know nothing but despair and hopelessness. So, these are just a few ways, like the apostles, we use the gifts given to us by God to speak different languages maybe it's the language of faith maybe it's the language of joy or the language of hope for the express purpose of bringing people to god one last thought in acts of the apostles the holy spirit is described as a wind a strong driving wind well perhaps we felt this in our life at some point in time maybe we're standing in a field maybe on a beach maybe sailing on a boat And we've been really affected by a strong wind, pushed about. Well, the Holy Spirit blows wherever it wills. What's the key? Surrender to it. Don't resist it. Let the Holy Spirit take you to a place where you never thought you could go. And that's exactly where God wants you to be. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.